Hello again and welcome to Contemplative Episcopalian, a podcast of St. Paul's Episcopal Church. We are a Christian faith community located in downtown Beloit, Wisconsin. For this episode, I am sharing with you a homily that I delivered on Christmas Eve 2020. If I sound tired, it's because I'm a priest at Christmas Eve in the year 2020. (laughs) And I'm sure you're tired too. Thank you for listening. God bless. There's an ancient wisdom saying from the Desert Fathers and Mothers that I I really, really like. And I know, yes, you know by now, if you've listened to me drone on and on enough, you know that I love, I'm pretty much obsessed with the Desert Fathers and Mothers. And at this point, like, you should be too. (laughs) But this one particular saying, I reference it a little bit too much, but it's that good. It's It's worth repeating. It goes a little something like this. If you see somebody trying to climb up to heaven all by themselves, grab them by the heel and pull them back down again. Why? Because the person who is trying to climb up and away from normal life in order to get to heaven, in order to get to God, they're they're pretty much going in the wrong direction. We will never find God if we believe that God can only be found somewhere other than where we are right now. As one modern wisdom teacher has said, the divine is not something high above us. Yes, it is in heaven, but it is also in earth. It is inside us. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to serve as a student chaplain at a nursing home. And again, this is a story that I probably repeat more than I should, um, but it's worth repeating. It's a good one. One of the units that I was on, it was just one step away from being a hospice care center. I mean, it was a place where people came to die in peace. It was a wonderful, but a very intense place to be, as I'm sure you can imagine. There was a woman named Deb who lived on this unit, and she had lived there for years. I never really knew how coherent she was. She couldn't talk. She never moved her head. She never moved her eyes to look at me. She never made any facial expressions to acknowledge my presence in the room. I mean, there was no response to my presence whenever I walked in to visit her. It's quite sad. She just sat in a chair and stared straight at the wall in front of her. That's how she spent her time. And most days I would come in and I would talk to her a little bit, and then I would say a prayer for her. But one day I, I wisened up a little bit, and I actually decided to invite her to pray along with me. So I took a prayer book along, and I held it out in front of both of us, and I invited Deb to pray with me to the best of her ability. And I pointed out with my finger where I was at on the page, hoping that she could follow along in her own unique way. Actually, quite amazing. I went into that room that day thinking it was just going to be like another routine pastoral visit. Nothing out, of the or- nothing out of the ordinary. But I didn't realize that this little moment of prayer shared with this wonderful person would end up changing my life forever. As we neared the end of the prayer, I became completely overwhelmed by a deep sense of God's presence in the room. I couldn't describe it then, I really can't describe it now, but it's like somebody had flipped a switch in my state of consciousness, in my perception of reality. 
And I just assumed that I was the only one feeling it. So I, I just kept on doing what priests do. I just kept on talking. <laughs> I kept on reading. But as I said the amen out loud at the end of the prayer, I turned to look at Deb. I was awestruck. She had physically turned to face me. And she was looking me in my eyes, straight in the eyes. And she had the biggest smile I think I have ever seen on her face. And tears, which were clearly tears of joy, were streaming down her cheeks. She was glowing. In the moment, it felt like I was staring directly into the face of Christ. I mean, actually, better yet, in the moment I knew, I knew I was staring directly into the face of Christ. She had become a living sacrament of the divine to me. She was a ladder to heaven for me. And as I was leaving, I just simply said thank you to her because ugh, I didn't really know what else to say. I mean, how do you respond to a moment shared like that one? <laughs> like, what do you say? Geez, Deb, this was a nice time of prayer. By the way, thank you for shattering my perceptions of reality today. And by the way, thank you also for looking so angelic today. Bye-bye. <laughs> like, like, what do you say, right? I mean, I could have done the priest thing and said, God bless you. But it was pretty clear that, like, that had already happened, <laughs> right? As Thomas Merton once said after having had a similar experience, there is no way to tell people that they are all going about their business shining like the sun. Deb changed how I experience God, how I experience life itself. Life became infused with countless little God moments after my experience with her. And for the rest of the summer, while I was ministering on that unit, I could see Jesus smiling in the smiling faces of the people living there. I could sense Jesus' suffering in their suffering. And as I sat bedside with those who were dying, I could feel God's love so tangibly that it felt as though I could simply reach out and grab it with my hands. When someone dies, their soul, it very well may leave their body. But it doesn't have to leave the room in order to get to heaven. And if you've been with somebody in the moment of their dying, you feel, you know, that heaven was there in the room all along. If you see someone trying to climb up to heaven, grab them by the heel and yank them back down again. The ancient Jewish authors Philo and Josephus, they both taught a lot about the mysticism, the spirituality that surrounded the temple in Jerusalem. They taught that the temple itself was a microcosm of the entire created realm. And there were different parts of the temple that represented, better yet, embodied the different parts of the universe. But that there was a special space at the center of the temple, the Holy of Holies. That space represented heaven. In fact, the Holy of Holies was heaven in their minds. In order to get to heaven, then, the priest wouldn't climb up to it. Rather, the priest would walk through the different parts of the temple, which again were the different aspects of the created world, in order to make his way to the center of the temple. 
because heaven was understood to be found in the midst of all things, at the center of all things. The divine presence dwelt within the heart of all existence in their minds. And the last thing these priests encountered before entering the Holy of Holies was the giant temple veil. The veil was made of different colors, and the colors all represented different elements of the world. Fire, air, water, and land. And in fact, ancient people, not just the Hebrew people, but ancient people used to believe that these four elements were the foundational elements of the entire universe. Everything came from them, was made from them. They were the backbone of everything. You think about it, the symbolism is absolutely incredible. Very striking. In the ancient Hebrew mindset, all of reality and everything around us is a beautifully adorned veil, hiding God's presence. But if we were to look hard enough, that which is hidden will inevitably become unveiled before our very eyes. And these priests, they would come out of the temple having had these profound experiences, experiencing God at the heart of all things. And they encouraged the people to meditate on the Raz Niha. I know I'm butchering that. <laughs> the Raz Niha. In other words, the mystery of existence. They encouraged people to meditate on the mystery that underlies all things. I mean, if you look at your existence and you never sense the mystery, you've yet to really understand your existence. These priests learned by their experiences in the temple that everything around us, that life itself, is a sacrament of the divine. Everything around us, earth, fire, water, air, the stars, animals, human beings, they are all ladders to heaven if we but have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. If we dare to approach the mystery. If you see someone trying to climb up and away from the world in order to get to heaven, grab them by the heel and pull them back down again. My friends, this is the time of year when we cherish that Christ was born into this world. But it's also importantly the time of year that we, rem we remember that the story does not end here. This night, we also celebrate that there is never a moment where Christ is not being born into this world. All of reality, all of life is pregnant with God's presence. All of life is eagerly waiting to give birth to the love, to the hope, to the joy, to the peace that Jesus is. This is the night when we celebrate that we don't have to strip ourselves of our humanity, of our physicality, of all of the little joys that accompany existence in this world in order to find God. Because in the person of Jesus Christ, we can see how the divine has wedded herself together to our world, to us. Jesus' divinity did not swallow up his humanity, nor did his humanity diminish his divinity. And as we read in St. Paul this evening, it was because Jesus descended into the fullness of our human condition that God the Father exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that mysterious name of God, Yahweh, a name that one New Testament author says you will also have on your forehead. What Jesus was in himself, you will one day fully become as well. 
There will come a day when you won't be able to tell where you end and God begins. Tonight, we celebrate that our God is a God who enters into our world instead of calling us out of it. We celebrate that God celebrates us. We celebrate that in order to become divine, all we have to do is learn how to become more human. And that is the path that Jesus took. That's the path that Jesus invites us to walk down. We celebrate that we don't have to choose between heaven or the world, for heaven rests at the heart of the world. We celebrate that we don't have to choose between loving God or loving the people around us, for God rests in the heart of every person. Tonight we celebrate that the Holy Spirit, that she has chosen us as her temple. We celebrate that the human heart has been the Holy of Holies all along. And in order to get to heaven, all we have to do is descend further into our hearts, into who we are. One ancient saint has said that even though we on occasion feel dark things lurking around in our hearts, something far more important and powerful is present. There's always an ever-growing light in that darkness. He said that God is in your heart, and so are the angels, and so is the life of the kingdom. The light of God's presence is in your heart, and the apostles are there as well, and so is the heavenly city and all of the treasuries of grace. All things are there, he says. God is already resting in us, just as Jesus rested that night in that manger. The best way to find God, then, is to give up all of our climbing and to simply let ourselves rest in God's resting in us. Merry Christmas.